um, <laughs> a prophetess. Uh, thank you. And so uh, April 24th, April 24th, right? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure I got that right. We're, uh, we get another opportunity to go down with our people in Norway, South Carolina, not the country, Norway. Norway, South Carolina, even better than the country. And, um, but it's right down the street, and so we're going to go there, there and do a uh, worship night and just get the opportunity to worship and kind of pour into them, them pour into us. You know, it's, it's just a really awesome time every time we go down there. So that's April 24th. We're going to leave from the church at 4 um, and I, we'll keep we'll share this up until that. So if you if you want to kind of carpool with us or whatever, we can we'll meet here at the church at 4 p.m. Um, on April 24th. Um, and then there was I feel like there was one other announcement. Oh, Tuesday night we have group. So we missed this past week. We'll be back this week. And um, and I'm going to talk to you guys if you're here talk with you guys about how maybe, maybe get your input on how we're going to shift that now that we have grown a lot. Um, it's no longer a small group. It's a, another large group gathering. So anyway, so we're just going to talk about how that's going to look in the future uh, and get your input on that. So Tuesday nights, if you're new, it's just if it's like where anybody, age, no matter what age or whatever, um, we just come together and we have this just more of a personal hangout time with the Lord. So it's really cool. Small group type setting. I just don't personally like using the language of small group. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so that's Tuesday night. And then I, I feel like I'm forgetting something else. I always do this, but I don't think. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Baptism. Right after the service, we're going to do baptism. I know a lot of you uh, saw hope, probably the pool when you came in. And by pool, I mean uh, horse trough. But, um, but y'all don't have to know that. And uh, I reached out to a lot of pastors, and that's what a lot of people use. So, so that's what we're using today. And we've had it heated. Um, it's being heated up right now, the whole service. So I can't guarantee you it's going to be really warm, but I can guarantee you it won't be cold. So um, anyway, we're going to pass this. So right after the service, if y'all would just like, we're just going to all go out there, let everybody change, and then we'll do uh, baptisms right outside. So um, where, Kyle, about to get married, about to get married. In less than a month. No, a little over a month, right? A little over a month. So, so excited about that. Well, you, I'm going to let you pass this around. If you're giving today, just throw your hand up, and uh, Kyle will get to you. If any, Is anybody giving? Uh, going once, going twice now. Um, everybody online, glad you guys are with us. This is your moment to give. If you're watching today, the Lord wants you to give as well. So uh, you can click on all the links right there. Okay, Olivia, go ahead and come up here while they're passing that around. Olivia. <laughs> okay, so this is Olivia Brown. You know what I thought about this morning? Everybody who has preached on the stage this entire year has the last name Brown. And we don't do that on purpose, but me, Matt, my brother, and Olivia Brown. Um, so I didn't, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. So if your last name is Brown, you might be up next. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, this is Olivia, and like I said earlier, I can't say enough about Olivia. Um, she's super young, but you wouldn't believe that when she talks because she's very mature for her age. But I just the way that the Lord shows her stuff is unlike anybody that I've met, and, um, and you're about to see this. It's just very relatable and yet super deep. So anyway, I could talk all day, but I'll just let you guys find out for yourself. So would y'all give her a hand? Olivia. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Happy week after Easter. I feel like we need to make this a holiday. Like, <laughs> like 
Week after, yeah, we're going to celebrate. Week after Easter, Easter, Good Friday, all that stuff. Um, thanks for being here today. Um, I'm super excited for, I think, what the Lord wants me to speak about. So I'm going to be awkward probably, you know, so guys be awkward with me. So it's going to be good. But um, I knew that the Lord wanted me to talk about legacy today. We talk about identity, legacy, and like being born again. Like that's all we talk about at this church. But I feel like the Lord gave me specific things in legacy, how to be stewards of legacy, like what that looks like. And I, when I first got that, I was like, you know, most people in our church are not married, don't have kids, you know, but I feel like legacy is so much more than kids. It includes that, right? But legacy is just, it's this huge thing, but it's, it's a huge part of the kingdom. And if we miss that, we miss a lot. Um, so I'm really excited about that um, and what we're going to do. And I think legacy is really just getting our eyes off of ourselves and getting it onto the Lord because he only works in legacy. He doesn't work in, in one time frame. So I'm really excited. So I love a good old dictionary. Y'all know. So we gonna, we're going to use some definitions. Um, and we're going to be in numbers today. So go ahead and turn to like numbers 14. We'll go there in a second. I kind of cringed when the Lord told me I was going to talk about numbers because like when I was a kid, I hated numbers because I'm like, this is the dumbest book in the Bible. Um, it doesn't make any sense. But this is just where the Lord stopped me in the secret place. And so he just like flooded so much. So we're going to be in numbers. If you want to go ahead and turn there, Number 14, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT also, but, um, and if you didn't bring your Bible, we're going to be reading a lot today, so you better get, get your Bible out, but um, definition, so just like I googled the definition of steward and legacy, so we're going to start with that, so being a steward is one appointed to supervise the provision and distribution of something in an institution, so I'll say that again. One appointed to supervise the provision and distribution of something in an institution. And then legacy is anything handed down from the past as an ancestor or predecessor. So I kind of took that as like in the kingdom and how we should see things. Like being a steward of legacy is literally someone appointed to supervise the provision and distribution of the kingdom of God in the church, which is the institution, it's the ecclesia, the governmental body of Christ. And then legacy is anything passed down. So it's literally stewarding that institution of God forward and backwards, which is so cool. Um, but like, why, why do we care about that? Like, why, why do we want to think like on a, on a global, not even global, that sounds so like worldly, but just on like a kingdom wild, wild perspective. So I kind of thought a lot of times PJ will talk about like eschatology, basically of like the end and how we view things and legacy has a big or missing, I think the idea of what God wants to do and reign and come here and reign with us is that we don't really think that God wants to bring his kingdom and actually rest with us, which is the bride. We have this concept of wanting to, you know, God to do everything for us and to like our lives magically just change that way. But I think legacy is, is God wanting to come reign with us. But also I want to err on the side of promise. You know, I think in the church now, like I said, we have that very escapism mindset. We just want to get out of everything because the world is so bad. Um, but if Jesus doesn't come back for 40,000 years, like, I want my great, 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 great grandkids to be prepared, you know? If he comes back tomorrow, great, but I'd rather err on the side of promise and generation and legacy, because that's going to last. So um, you can't mess that up. So 
I definitely think getting our idea of Jesus wanting to reign with us, not us wanting to, you know, escape is a huge portion of that. So um, I think our inability to steward legacy correctly reveals part of the selfishness of our human flesh, too, because I think legacy and in, in the kingdom and the Lord doing things in the church, in like your individual churches, but in like the big C church, like we want revival to happen, right? Like we want things to happen, but we only want it if we can see it and if it happens in our church. So it's like that selfish, emotional, like immaturity, right? We, we want to see what God does in our lifetime. We want the move of God if we can inherit the benefits, not anyone else. So it's like very exclusive, right? Um, and God doesn't work like that. Legacy doesn't work like that. And we'd rather create comfortable lives right now for us um, because establishing things, it takes work. Like no one wants to do the work. And I think in the kingdom, you have to establish something, right? So someone else can come in after that. And so we have to be willing to like till the ground um, and till the soil. And so I think we'd rather opt out of that sometimes and create this comfortable life. But I think things get hidden in like comfortability. Like when you're comfortable, you can't see some of the things that need to be brought to the surface. So it's like generations after that are dealing with the things that we never dealt with. So I almost feel like when you don't deal with legacy correctly, we can like enslave our kids for things that they didn't even do, you know? And that's not an excuse, but it's just like, that's how, that's what happens when you don't deal with things. So I think uh, really getting outside of that comfortability is like super huge because things will hide there and we're, we're more comfortable. They'll just like fester, which is bad. Um, and I don't think that we can afford that either in the kingdom. And maybe up until this point, like that's happened, but you know, God is moving from glory to glory to glory consistently. So I think that standard is just constantly being raised for us as for, as for what we know. So I think we also have to ask ourselves, what's our motive in the kingdom too? Like what's our motive when we think about being a good steward of legacy? Are we willing to inherit something in seed form? So when, when the Lord showed me this, I thought of like being a clout chaser. So clout is like something that is, <laughs> I know y'all are like, what? Clout is basically anything that if you have it, people want it. They think you're cool. If you chase clout, you just want to do something because you're going to get the hype for it, right? And so I think that our generation, mine specifically, I know we have lots in here today. Normally it's like all of us, our, our multiple group, but my generation specifically, I feel like we're, we're like the harvest chasers, right? Like we want the fruit of things. We want the, we want the fruition of something, which isn't necessarily a bad thing to want the complete fruition of what God wants to give us. That's not a bad thing, but it is a bad thing when, when you're wanting to get there without the process. And so I think no one's willing to, to inherit something in seed form because like, it's like, you can't, nothing can grow if there's no seed. And so it's like, everyone's not, not wanting to, to take the work and to take the time to, to take that seed, inherit it, and then let someone else like grow it. it be watered. God can't water something that's not there. So it's like, I'm, I willing to have this motive? Am I willing to see revival if it like, or have revival if I can't see it in my lifetime? You know, it's a very selfish mindset. I think if we want to close everybody else off to that, except for us. So um, if not one generation is willing to inherit that 
seed form, I don't think we'll ever see legacy in the fruition that it needs to be seen because someone's got to do it, you know? So um, I think that generation, it can, it can start with us and like actually taking that and um, starting with the seed. So I think we can't have legacy either if we're primarily thinking about what God can do for me in my lifetime and like what I can see. And I think the forefront of our minds always has to be what can God do in me to establish his kingdom come within me that will leverage his, his promises of holiness, justice, righteousness into the generations after me. The forefront's always got to be that. If you're always thinking about that, you'll never miss the other little things, but we want to go for the big thing, right? So I think we always have to think of how can God establish something within me that will leverage everything else into, into the past and also uh, heal things from the past and then like bring them into the future, which is super important. So um, I also kind of thought of this too, when I was just sitting with the Lord with this, um, every promise in the Bible always affects more than one person and more than one generation too, right? I mean, you could literally just think about Abraham and like the promise that his descendants would be so numerous as like the sand and the sea, like everything. So I just think if we, I'd almost argue that if our definition of a promise is seeing God do something only for us, it's not a promise of God, you know? Because like, he can, only, he can only give a promise that is of legacy. He can't give something that's only, and not, not to say that God doesn't want to do things for us of just like healing and like whatever it could be in our own lives. But like if I'm hearing something from the Lord and I'm like, we'll hold on to things like, okay, God promised me this when I was like 19 or God promised me this and this and this, which it could be very true, but it's like, does that affect just you? Does it affect anyone else? Is it going to affect the kingdom of God at all? Because God only speaks to what will impact his people, not one person. So I think we've really got to see, like, are we hearing a promise from the Lord or are we hearing like an idol or something that we want to like get for ourselves? So again, that goes back to like that motive of like, what are we willing to inherit that is for not just us, but for everybody, bringing people into that. And that's just um, something so cool the Lord, I thought, just showed me. Um, I also thought about this too. Julia, where are you, Julia? There you are. Yeah, she, she sent me this podcast. This was a while ago. Eric Gilmore, he's awesome. Um, but he was talking about what happens when we put God in his proper place every single day. And I thought that was so cool because... Um, just the mind shift that can happen when we're thinking about legacy and we're thinking about all these things of what can happen day in and day out, like in the secret place when we put God at the forefront of like in his proper place. And not that he needs to be put anywhere, but just like in your own heart and in your own perspective of like, I get up every day and it's like, God is where he needs to be in my life. Everything follows suit, right? So then you're ready to kind of start. And I was just thinking about that and just how we can shift our perspective when we have him in the forefront of our minds and when we start with that. Um, and then we can actually see God for who he is, which will allow us to see that he only works in the long game. So those are just some of my thoughts before I wanted to start reading. Um, but we're going to be in Numbers 14. Like I said, um, which again, I can't believe I'm reading out of numbers because it's still crazy. I just, numbers is wild. Um, and, but yeah, going to be reading through this. I'm going to preface, I'm going to start at verse 20. Um, but just like preface, like what's going on right now. So we have the Israelites, um, and they're just complaining, you know, like they always are. And they've been complaining for a while now. And so the Lord has kind of instructed Moses at this point, um, 
to send like 12 spies into the promised land, which is Canaan. And so they're going to see like what it's all about. And if they think that, you know, they can, the Israelites can like conquer the land. And so 12 of them go out and they all come back and 10 of them are like, we have no chance. Like we're going to get slaughtered. Um, And also mind you that like God promised that he would deliver the people into the promised land. So like that should be, if I'm getting sent out by the Lord and he's like, hey, I promised that I would send you this land and I go and I come back and I'm like, we're not going. There's like an air, there's like a gap obviously between that, you know, of like holding on to the promise of God. Um, but then using my circumstance to kind of dictate what the promise was. And I think that's what kind of happened. Um, and it ended up being only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, which, um, Spoiler alert, Joshua delivers the people into the promised land. But um, it ends up being the two descendants um, that were faithful that got to experience the legacy and um, all the things that the Israelites despised. So going to preface that, but we're going to start in verse 20. I'm going to read like all the way until 45, um, and then I'll kind of go back and like pick it apart. So I'm also reading out of the NLT, so also with that. But verse 20, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They all have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now turn around and don't go towards the land where the Amicalites and Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me, every one of you who is 20 years or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness, and your children will be like shepherds, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering in the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in, the wilderness, in this wilderness, and here they will die. The ten men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the twelve who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. When Moses reported the Lord's word to all of the Israelites, the people were filled with grief. They got up early the next morning and went to the top of the range of the hills. Let's go, they said. We realize that we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the Lord. We, now we are ready to enter the land the Lord has promised us. But Moses said, why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Don't go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amicalites and Canaanites in battle, and you, and will, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. 
but the people defiantly pushed ahead toward the hill country, even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant left the camp. Then the Amicalites and Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Hormah. So that was the text. Um, I'm going to pick apart uh, a lot of verses in there, especially like in 31 kind of through 34. Um, But I think, again, it's important to note, just like in reading that, the promise of God that he was going to deliver them into the promised land, that never changed. And I think it's important to talk about the faithfulness of God before you start talking about legacy, um, because you have to be able to understand and separate God's faithfulness from our unfaithfulness and our circumstances. Um, And I think our ability to fully taste and see the faithfulness of God will always be hindered by our unfaithfulness to him every time. Um, because his faithfulness, obviously it never changes. And so we are, we're so quick, kind of how PJ was saying earlier, like we're so quick to base our view of God off of what we're walking through. Um, and all the Israelites did, all they did was complain. All they did was complain. And complaint is really just a sign of wanting to take, I think, control of a situation because you think you can do it better. And they're literally like, we wish we would have died in Egypt, like all this stuff. And it's like, what? Like, we read that. We're like, what are you thinking? But like, that's us sometimes, you know? So it's literally just our, our ability to fully taste and see the faithfulness of God um, is going to be led by our obedience and understanding that God's always faithful to us. Like he always knows what he's doing. Um, and his faithfulness here, it was protecting the Israelites. It was guarding them in his timing. It was leading them into the promised land, you know, when the time was right. Um, but they were too busy complaining. So they were, they removed themselves from like the, the faithfulness of God. Like we don't, that never changes. We just like opt in and opt out of that all the time, all the time. And so the Lord kind of showed it to me, um, almost like in a line graph. So like, this is like God's faithfulness. It's constant. It never changes no matter what. Right. And then this is us like this line up and down and up and down. And sometimes we'll pass the line. So we're in God's faithfulness, right? We're like tapping in and then we're up here we're not experiencing it at all, but like the line is still right. It still exists. God is still faithful. You know, we just opted in and opted out all the time inconsistently. And I'll talk a little bit about this. I think at the end when at towards the end of that chapter, when the Lord says that he will abandon like the Israelites because they've abandoned him and we can take that so harshly. Um, right. But it's like, we, we opt in and opt out of this covenant all the time. And we think it's like a game, (laughs) but it's like, it's serious, you know? Um, And at any moment, we have full access to tap into God's faithfulness, which is his legacy. All God is, is legacy. We're his legacy. That's all he is, which is so cool. And at any moment, we have full access as sons and daughters to be fully enthralled with who he is and his legacy for us. Um, But I think we really got to get to the place where he rests and not where we think we should be based off like other people around us or the time of our lives or whatever that could look like. Um, so yeah. So how does, how does all that like connect with legacy? How does God's faithfulness, I think, connect with legacy? Um, covenant didn't skip this generation of the Israelites, right? So in 31 through 34, um, he says, you said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So uh, this generation that he's talking to, they're not going to experience walking into the promised land of God. It's the children. So does that mean that God like was wrong? Was he like a liar? Like, I think people will take it as that. Um, 
but they, uh, again, had access, opted out of God's faithfulness. And that's not like a harsh thing. It's literally just God is, he's pure and he's holy and he wants purity and like holy for us and he wants um, the best for us. And so I almost think that it's, it's, it's less of God cutting people off, especially just in the Old Testament and more of us removing ourselves from the legacy, from the faithfulness of God. Um, and I almost think because it's, it's not for this generation, but the Lord's like for your children, like they'll inherit, inherit the promised land. And I almost wonder like what would happen. Cause he also says your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for, for 40 years and they will pay for your faithlessness. So for 40 years, they're going to pay for that. And then they will inherit the fullness of God's promise. And so I almost wonder what would have happened if mom and dad were faithful to the promise of God, right? Because there's this level of knowing this, this up and down, up and down, up and down, and this is the parent, and they're bringing their kids into this up and down, up and down, up and down for 40 years, and then they get to know the promise of God, but what would have happened if mom and dad were like opting in on faithfulness, and all their kids ever knew was the faithfulness of God, you know? I think there's just so, so many of our stories and our life are just, you know, I grew up like this, or when I was like 24, I like, I thought the Lord was like this, but then I, then I met him and I knew and I'm like what would it look like to raise up a generation and all they knew was the faithfulness of God there would be no wandering for 40 years there would just be simply the promised land that's all you would know and that's just so encouraging because I'm like again it's not that there's necessarily always has to always having to be someone falling short but it's like glory to glory to glory like I want to raise the standard you know um and so there won't be any, any wandering for like the generations like after us, um, because I think even in our lives, I think we can all like attest, we've probably experienced wandering, which isn't always a, a bad thing, I think, in a sense, or in certain times in our lives, because I think God will ob- obviously always redirect us. But I think if we don't inherit what we're designed to inherit um, for our kids, like that's not on them, like I, that's on us. Like, I take responsibility for that. And that's not, like, an excuse thing. Like, I think we all have our own lives and we all have our own decisions to make. But I'm not trying to bring in my baggage into the generations, right? I'm trying to, like, seal the deal and, like, open up to the Lord so he can, like, pull and pull things out and cut and trim and all that stuff. And not so that my great-great-grandkids' life will be perfect, right? But simply because all they will know is the promised land and the faithfulness of God because mom and dad or grandma and grandpa stewarded it correctly in the first place, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't think it's, le- it's less about uh, blame but more about taking responsibility because it's less, I mean, we always do so much like the devil this, the devil that, and we blame. And it's like, we make decisions. We make conscious decisions to opt in and opt out of the faithfulness of God and like what he's wanting to do in our lives. So um, I think he also just showed me like, what does that mean today too in the church? And like, how has that just looked? And all of, all of the things I think that the church maybe doesn't want to talk about or, or heal or allow, um, allow ourselves to kind of just grapple with. Um, and I think maybe not primarily, definitely not prima- primarily, but one of the reasons I think the church has such a hard time speaking in truth and in love about abortion, sexuality, 
racism, like literally fill in the blank with like all the things that we have such a hard time dealing with, not primarily, but one of the reasons is just because we're standing in leftover unfaithfulness from the generations before us. It's not even, and again, I don't hear this correctly. This is not me like dissing on like our parents or our great, great, like that's not what this is. This is simply when you don't deal with things, people after you will deal with them, you know, and and probably not in the best way. And again, it's like crazy because you're like, where is this coming from? We grow up and we're like, we're realizing things from our like childhood or whatever. Like those are things that impact us. And it's like, people have to deal with things. And so I think with this, it's, it's clear that the Lord's like, your children will inherit the promised land, but for 40 years, they're going to wander. And it's like, what, what is, what is that? And so I think we've got to not use that as an excuse for, for our world and what we see today, um, as this is terrible. I don't want to deal with this. Um, but rather as an invitation to actually partner with God and steward this correctly. Because I think this is a partnership, right? God actually designed it to be a marriage. And so I think it's a beautiful thing. He doesn't want to just fix everything for us and have this like cute little churchy Christianity, like thing because that's how we view it but God wants to partner with us and like walk with us so we can actually change the globe and restore things so um we have access to so much as sons and daughters um to see the fullness of righteousness and justice and holiness and all these things but we actually have to partner with God and the Israelites the complaining that was the them not partnering with God that was them being like we're doing this on our own we wish we would have died in Egypt all that stuff um but they had access to the covenant. Even this is pre-Jesus in the flesh. And they still had access to the covenant of God, to the covenant, the promise that he made with Abraham. But they just opted out of it, you know? And that's, that, again, that's not on God. It's never on God. He always upholds his end of the covenant. We talked about that last week. But, like, that's on us, you know? So I think, again, taking responsibility with that is super important. Um, and being, or stewardship of something, or in this case, stewardship of legacy is not marked by a present generation, but a a seceding one, which is the one that comes after. And so the Lord kind of showed it to me like this. Um, You only know that someone's a good steward of something based off of the fruit, right? So if you steward the word of God correctly, chances are someone's probably living a God-filled biblical life, right? If you steward your home correctly, when you go to put it on the market and the person buying after you, they're going to inherit a good home. It's going to have good equity. Like, it's going to be a good thing. If you steward your money correctly, then the fruit of that will be good things of someone who steward that right, right? So you can only see that by the fruit of, of someone's life. If you're a stewarding parenting and being a great parent, right? Your children and their lives live is an example of that, right? And so I think that... St- legacy is always, even though it's forwards and backwards, it's always going to be marked by the fruit of our lives. You know, that's a good indication of kind of where we are. And I think a good sign that we've lost greater perspective is when the kingdom becomes about fulfilling our needs and becomes about fulfilling our desires rather than getting a clear image of the one in who all things are found just and right in the first place. We almost want to work backwards. And it's like, get the image of Jesus first. Get in the secret place first. Like, let him tell you who you are first. And then those things, you know, work backwards instead of trying to take it into our own hands and wanting it for us. I think we have to have that perspective. And so what would have happened 
if this generation of Israelites focused on God and not themselves. You know, they would have inherited the promised land. That's not like reworking of like the Bible or like the word of God. That's literally, this was God's promise always. He wanted that for them. It wasn't like his plan was always to throw them out in the desert and then it was always gonna be this. It was, the plan was, this is the promise, inherit the kingdom walk with me and like this is what you'll receive you know so it's not like he was changing his mind ever it was just um their unfaithfulness to what to what the Lord was doing um and I think for me when I was just like reading through this I it just got this zeal to never want to settle for anything less I think than inheritance because the, the promised land was an inheritance. It wasn't something that they had to work for or get to. It was God giving them a promise out of their life of slavery for 400 years, right? So in, inheritance is evidence that something was birthed out of trust, not out of works. It's, it's literally, that's literally what it is. And I think inheritance is a sign that, it's literally a sign that you're an heir. Inher- you can't inherit something that is not from your own mom and dad. I, I couldn't inherit like Sarah's parent, like whatever it would be because I'm, I'm not their kid. And so for us as sons and daughters of God, we get inheritance. We're an heir to Jesus, like which is crazy. Um, and so these Israelites, they, they were heirs to, to this promise. But again, opting out of that is, is a choice. It's a choice always. Um, And going back to like what I was pointing about earlier, kind of at the end when I was reading, so 41 through the end, but Moses said, why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Don't go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amicalites and Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. And that sounds harsh. I think... PJ said that in worship, like the Old Testament, we read it and it's like, the Lord will abandon us like that. That's sad, you know, but it's like, but what does that mean? Like you have, like, if I feel like when I read through the Old Testament, I'm like, if I hear that and it changed, I think the Lord is mean. I'm not like interpreting it correctly because the Lord would never abandon us like ever. <laughs> so it's like, how am I like seeing that of like, what does that mean? The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. Again, I'm removing myself from the promises of God. God is always there and he's always ready to risk, to come, for us to come back and to, and to be there. And if the Israelites had, again, made that subconscious decision to, to opt in to what God was wanting to do, it wouldn't have been like, oh, no. It would have been like, come, like rest. Like this, is, this land is for you, for rest, the land of milk and honey. Um, but the promised land was also pure, it was holy. It was what God wanted for them. And so to enter that land, they needed to be walking in purity and holiness and righteousness and the fruits of the spirit. So out of love, the Lord is going to say, you cannot inherit this land because you are not where you need to be. It's not a, a mean thing. It's him disciplining us and loving us and saying, wander. These children will wander for 40 years, but they will know me when they inherit the, the land, you know? And so I think it's out, it's always out of love what he's trying to do. And we can hear verse 33 and think it's insanely harsh, but it's like the most loving thing. I think that the Lord actually one gave us a choice and two, um, will still have grace, but also just not that they're far or apart from the Lord, but just simply, um, again, opting out of the, those things. So, 
Yeah, I think the Lord, he only operates on faithfulness. He can't be unfaithful to us, and he can't be unfaithful to his promises and what he has for us. Um, and his desire is not to leave um, not to leave our side, but just to, to guide us and to, to want us to prefer him, to want us to prefer what's best for him. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want to force us to do anything. And so I think he wasn't forcing these Israelites to walk into this promise. It was out of trust. Again, that inheritance is, is birthed out of trust, not out of work. Like if, you know, in the movies when, when kids like try and like kill their parents because they want their inheritance or whatever. And it's like that it never ends up working because it's always it's out of works. But it's like if you would just wait until you were 20, whatever, you would actually get the inheritance, you know. So it's one of those things where I think the Lord is like, if you would just be patient and trust me, you would get everything you ever wanted and more, you know, kind of thing. Um, and trusting that that. God is operating on, on his level of faithfulness and, and his frequency means, again, that we get to leverage what's ours as sons and daughters, as Yahweh. Like we get to leverage that inheritance because it's ours. Like no one can take it from us. We can't, like it can't be thrown away. We can't run too far. And then God's like, you don't get the inheritance. You're always going to have it. The prodigal son came back and the, Lord, or the dad was like, here is the robe. Here is the ring, the authority, all of that. It wasn't like you've done all this, I'll, I'll wait a while and then we'll see how you've done. He got all of it in a, in a moment, you know? And I think the Lord, we have to trust that the Lord sees us that way and wants the same for us um, because he just loves us. And that, again, that goes back to putting the Lord, I think, in, your, in his proper place because we actually have to see him for a loving father. So if you, if you read the text in, in the perspective that he's a loving father, you'll read that and be like, he never wanted to abandon them. He just wanted the best for them. And out of love, he, he will let them walk away because he loves them so much. And so I think you, you have to be able to put him where he is or where he should be in our lives and not, again, when I was saying about the idols and the promises of God, like if we're hearing things and it is a promise of the Lord, it's got to be for everybody and there are things, again, like I said, that will be specific to us, of course. That's just our life, and the Lord loves us, and he loves doing those little things and, and bringing back and restoring things that we weren't even thinking about, right? But there is a level um, of God just doing things for, for the legacy, for the kingdom, and that's all he can do, which is work on that time frame. And so we've got to opt into to whatever that's going to look like. Um, and I think I kind of was just, like, left with what— the Israelites could have leveraged had they had opted into to those promises of the Lord. And so for, for us, like, what does that look like? What does it look like to, to raise up and to disciple generations after us that we make this, the, the decision, they're not going to wander for 40 years, you know? And that doesn't mean that life is without struggle or life is without hardship. Um, but in order to be a good steward of legacy, um, we got to make those decisions, you know, and like, we got to make those decisions like today, not because it's like a, a timely thing, but it, it, it's an establishment thing. The kingdom, the kingdom has to be established in your personal life with the people that we do to do life with, the people that we work with, the people that you get in a relationship with, like the kingdom has got to be established in order for things to grow and legacy to actually build. And so we've got to be willing to be those people that the Lord's like, hey, or trust, like I want the Lord to trust me with that. Like you can actually put something seed form inside of me and like, it's fine because I want it to grow because this is not about me. 
And we want it all always to be about us. It's about me, 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 and like what God can do for us. And again, not in the sense that God doesn't want to do things intentionally for us and for our lives and to, to really reign in and fix and restore things for us. But the perspective has always got to be the bigger picture. It's always got to be the bigger picture because I think we can get lost. And I can, I've gotten lost multiple times in like my life and my time frame and what can happen in, in this age of life. But it's like, we, we are not the first people to be here and God willing, we, we will not be the last for a long time, you know? So God, God reigning in that. Um, and I think this text today is just a reminder that God will always remain faithful. He will always remain faithful to his legacy. We're his legacy. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm going to read one thing from Deuteronomy and then, like, kind of wrap up, I guess. Matt, you can come up here. Uh, who's going to play keys? Who plays keys? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm so used to Matt playing keys. <laughs> I'm dead. I say I love you. <laughs> oh, man. We got to get other keys players. <laughs> got to get multiple. We just rotate them. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read something real quick. And then I think it would just be cool if everyone, like we just spent some time in prayer about like what legacy can look like in our lives. That's just something the Lord's put on my heart recently. And I know he's put it on some of y'all's hearts just in talking to some of y'all. Um, but what establishing legacy in our, in our lives and for the generations after us to come and also like how can he restore legacy for things that have been lost for the ones before us because again it, it works backwards and forwards it's not just about the future it's about um the past too so god re restoring things because that's his heart for us um so you don't have to turn here but i'm just going to read something through deuteronomy 7 um it says, or verse seven, it says, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations for you, was, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to you and your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is, faith, he is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Which is like just so cool that the Lord releases that onto those who love him. And it's like, again, not that he was not releasing that onto the Israelites, but it was we've got to prefer God and love God with, with everything. Because more than anything, he wants to release everything onto us but out of love there's no way he can do that if we're not prepared and he won't let us go into our promised land whatever that looks like if we're not if we're not in that place and I don't want to bring things from the past over and over and over and over and over and like a hundred years and people are still dealing with the stuff that people have been always dealing with it's like some that's got to get old at some point and I have to say again that things aren't always going to be hard but it's like there's so much greater that the Lord has for our hearts and, and for his people. So I think we'll just be good. You can like stay in your seat. Um, or if you want to like get around, you can, whatever. Um, but just take like five minutes and just like really ask the Lord, like, what does legacy look like for me? Like, what does that look like for me to establish that in my own life? Um, and for the, the people to come after me. And, and again, that doesn't even just have to mean like future kids. That's just like generations. 
the pe- raising up the church in a sense. I think you can even take it in so many different ways and the Lord will, will speak to us. So you guys can just close your eyes, bow your heads and um, just take this time um, and just ask the Lord to kind of to reveal that to you. we love you so much. Um, we're so thankful that you always see the bigger picture, Lord, um, that you only work in the long game, God, that you work for the good of those who love you, Jesus. And so we just thank you that you're always working on our behalf, God, that you're always, that you're always with us and that you, you will do everything out of love and discipline us out of love, God. I just ask that you would place legacy on our hearts, Lord. God, through our weeks and through our days to come, I ask that you would um, begin to challenge us and see how we can be better stewards of this. God, just steward your word better um, and begin to restore things in us so that things won't have to necessarily be restored for the future, but God, that they will just be because that's all that people will know, Lord, is that your goodness and faithfulness follows them through everything, Jesus. So we just ask that you would place that on our hearts. God, give us that zeal for you and for your children, for your people, not just for our church, God, but that you would do it for the church. And so for you would do it for the world, God, the cosmos. So we just thank you again for for what you're doing in us. Um, And we love you so much. Amen. 
<laughs> Can y'all just give her one more hand? I don't think that was good enough. Come on. So good. So good. It's hard like it's hard doing that. It is. And um but you couldn't tell it. She did great. Thank you for that. I mean that what she said was, I mean, huge, huge legacy. Um, I feel like that's what the Lord is just is shifting this generation's mindset to instead of let's just get it over with because we might not be here in the morning to what happens if we are in here in the morning. And um, 